Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Boston Loose Baseball, episode 70. We are closing in on the trade deadline. The Nats remembered how to win at home. And in fact, they're 9-5 and five in their last 14 after a couple of series wins against the NL West. And now it's on to City Field to try to ruin the Mets season. Let's get to it. Boston Loose Baseball starts right now. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. Episode 70 of Boston Loose Baseball, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. Toby, why don't we start by looking back. Back-to-back NL West teams coming into town. The Nats take five out of six, and they did so with a couple dramatic come-from-behind wins over the Rockies in as many days, including one of my favorite wins of the year, down three runs in the ninth. They draw four walks. Daniel Bard walks the yard, and C.J. Abrams comes through with his first walk-off hit of the season. That's one thing that they've done so well this year, is even when they've struggled, even when they've been down big, they always seem to make a game of it, or at least they fight till the end, and that's something that you saw in that Rocky series. That could have easily been a sweep the other direction. It seemed like maybe they were coming off the high of finally sweeping someone in the Giants, and seemed like, okay, well, maybe it's going to go the exact opposite direction here for them. You lose the first game, and it doesn't look great in the second game, and then they come back late. And then the same thing in the third game of the series. You're down late. Looks like it's probably going to be over, and they come back again. So this team is really scrappy. They fight really hard. And, you know, as much as we like to give Davey Martinez flack for a lot of things, and I don't know how much you can even get on his managerial decisions this year with the roster that he's been given, but they always fight to the end. And that's something that I think Davey is very good at is making sure that these guys are motivated, making sure that these guys understand that they're big league ball players and need to go out there and give their best effort and give it to the very end until, you know, that last out is made. And every single night, you know, this team's going to fight if nothing else. Yeah. It's been a hallmark really of his entire time to your point with the nationals. And I think it is a testament to him and it speaks well to his style, not just in game managerially, but, you know, the type of clubhouse he has. And while sometimes some of the platitudes or the axioms can be you know, a little bit cringe when things aren't going well, or you can kind of roll your eyes and be cynical about you know, winning today's game and going 1-0 today and all those little things, uh, this team does absolutely keep a pretty 
positive outlook and, and battle and scrap in games, which is good to see. All right, let's start. Trade market is developing all over Major League Baseball, and we're seeing moves made here uh, deep into the week now as we approach the weekend. All has been quiet as we tape on the Nationals front, although there are rumors that they have touched base with a plethora of teams on Jamer Candelario. Uh, John Paul Morosi linked the Angels to Candelario. I've seen several folks saying the Yankees have talked to the Nationals about Jamer as well. Uh, he is about 360 at-bats into his season. He's got 16 homers and a 255 average, an 817 OPS. He's played above-average defense. It has been a truly terrific year for him on a one-year deal on the cheap year for the Nationals. Uh, I think they got everything they were hoping for and then some. You know, how many times have we talked, Toby, the last couple of years about them thinking, well, let's buy low on this guy, whoever it is, bring them in, hope that they play well, and we'll flip him at the deadline. And they had a pretty low batting average on some of those choices. You know, guys like Nelson Cruz come to mind. This one has worked out beautifully, though, and it's about to pay off. They're going to get a mid-level prospect, perhaps. Who knows? On a, on a pretty bleak market, maybe they were a little better than that for Candelario as a rental who's been outstanding. Yeah, I mean, even look at what they did this past season. They did it with Candelario. To an extent, they've done it with Dominic Smith, and it's not that Dominic Smith is going to have a big trade market. So even on him, it hasn't necessarily paid off if that's what they were looking to do. So they have gone and done this over the last couple of years, and it hasn't worked out as well. Nelson Cruz, I think, is the best example of that. You thought that, you know, why is this guy even coming to D.C.? What is he doing here? You can probably trade him at the deadline is all, and then it just didn't work out. Jamer Candelario has been everything that you've expected and more. And so now you can get something decent for him and we'll see what exactly happens here. But, you know, I think with the nationals being clear sellers, Jamer Candelario being one of the top bats on the market in terms of third baseman infielders. I mean, the Yankees, I think are in, like you said, the angels have been linked. The brewers we mentioned a couple podcasts ago, maybe could be in, you know, so you might not expect a big haul back for him, but you know, you got a couple teams bidding for him. Maybe you can get that price up just a little bit. So instead of getting, you know, you just get a little higher quality prospect. So I'm interested to see where he goes, but wherever he does go, I'm going to cheer for him. And I think he's going to make a big impact for this ball, whatever ball club he goes to. I think a big key too, and this was not something that was anticipated when he came over necessarily, because he had not been particularly good the last two or so years defensively. You know, last year, he was in the 8th percentile and outs above average. In 2021, he was in the 35th percentile and outs above average. You got to go back to the pandemic year of 2020 to find the last time he played a really good defensive third base, according to some of the advanced metrics. Well, in outs above average, he's in the 92nd percentile this year. So I think something that's going to add to his value and make a team more interested in him is if you are a team with ground ball pitchers, you know, guys that get the ball hit on the ground. If your infield defense has not been good, this is a player that is going to uh, be an anchor and really upgrade your third base position. I would also add in Jamer Candelario's defense, so to speak, in terms of what his overall value is. I know it's just a rental, so the, the ceiling comes down and what you're going to get back comes down because it's, you know, you're talking about one postseason in just a couple of months for a guy that may or may not stay hot in a new organization. He is an awesome veteran leader. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast, but I have really grown to like this guy a lot as a person. And, and I don't mean in the clubhouse interacting with him. I've had very limited interactions with him this season a couple times in passing. What I mean is watching him closely at Nats Park, on TV, 
his interactions with his teammates, particularly the young guys on the team, the way he uh, will talk to guys in the on-deck circle or grab, you know, Luis Garcia, whoever it is, as they're walking up to the plate and kind of whisper something in their ear. He is engaged. I think he cares about his teammates and the ball club more than just, you know, caring about himself. He is a, a team player. Like, all of those things are, are winning traits and qualities, and I think will help whatever contender, whatever suitor is looking at him, I hope they bake that into the equation because I think it's part of why he's been such an asset to the Nationals this year. Yeah, I completely agree. He's a great leader. You talked about his defense. I mean, like you mentioned, this isn't a guy that you expected to come in defensively and be an impact player, but he has been. I mean, if it weren't for Nolan Arenado winning the gold glove every single year at third base, he might be in consideration for a gold glove. And the other thing, too, that you have to consider He's not as great of a hitter against lefties, but he is a switch hitter. You know, 865 OPS this year against right-handed pitching, only 714 against lefties. But this is a guy that you can leave in the lineup no matter what you're facing, left or right, doesn't really matter. And so he's going to be a good player. You can play every single day. You can plug him in at third base, like we said, good defensively. So wherever he ends up going, I think that they're going to get someone that's really going to help them going forward. Defensively, he's going to be someone that... If, wherever you need to bat him. If you need to bat him up in the order, he's been effective up there. If you just need some pop towards the bottom or middle of the order, that works as well. So I think that he's going to be a very good piece for whoever decides to trade for him. Yeah, I'll be curious to see. He has struggled a little bit since the All-Star break, and he's had a couple of uh, quick respites where he got hit by pitches and things where he was out of the lineup. But he is technically overall now uh, just seven for his last 34, which is about a 205 average going into the Mets series. But he's driven the baseball, and that's been a big deal. He's got three home runs and nine RBI in 10 games and 850 OPS. So it's not as though I think a team will look at how he's performing and be bothered by that. In fact, if you look at July, he's got an 885 OPS, which is his second highest month of the season. But he's been pretty consistent. I mean, since May, a 911 OPS, in June, 825, in July, 885, uh, he has been pretty steady, and, and the power has really come in droves. Uh, since the first month or so of the season. So we know he's getting dealt. We don't know where. Uh, let's call our shot. Let's take a guess here as we're, I mean, it could we could find out, you know, he gets removed from the game tonight as we're taping on Thursday, and he could be on the move any point between now and the deadline. Where do you think he ends up? I just feel like the Yankees can sell themselves on not having to give up a top prospect, bringing in a guy that can help a third base with Donaldson being on the shelf for quite some time with that calf strain and then getting judge back at some point soon as well from injury. And you basically add a huge impact bat, obviously in judge, and you bring in a good bat in Jamer Candelario. And that can be your push for the postseason without really having to push all your chips in. So I would say the Yankees make the most sense to me. Yeah. I was going to go New York as well, I guess in the interest of not, uh, giving them to the Yankees just to mix it up. I'll say Angels or Brewers. We've heard them linked to the Angels quite a bit. I brought up the Brewers kind of on my own a couple of weeks ago. I think that would be, you know, a really good fit and the type of ball club where I think he could uh, help them. They, they need offense, obviously, and I think he could provide some of it. Uh, elsewhere for the Nationals, a couple of other trade deadline thoughts. Uh, is there another player? Let's say Candelario's a lock. We know he's getting moved. Let's say they trade one other player at the deadline. Who do you think it would be? Probably Kyle Finnegan, if anyone. I, I feel like they want to hold on to those guys if they can, but I feel like one of the relievers is getting moved, and I don't think it's going to be Harvey now that he's on the IL and dealing with some injury issues, and I don't think it's going to be Edwards because 
I don't know that he's going to have time to come back from the IL either and show that he's healthy before he gets dealt. And, you know, the trade deadline is just in a couple of days now. So I think one of the relievers would, but I think it's got to be Finnegan because he's the only one that's really, truly healthy right now. I'm going to say Ildemaro Vargas. Uh, I think people will be surprised if he gets moved because let's be honest. I mean, it's, he's such a minor role player. I mean, he's on the bench on this team. (laughs) Yeah. On a bad team. Right. But if you look at it, I mean, he actually does a couple things pretty well. Uh, He puts the ball in play. Like he can give you a pretty quality late inning at bat and teams often are looking for defensive versatility right now. And he can play a bevy of positions. You know, part of the reason I think why he doesn't play a lot for the nationals is that uh, at 32 years old, like he's not in their future plans and this is a rebuild. So you don't want to play him over CJ Abrams, nor should you, but there were times where he would have given you a better defense at shortstop potentially, or, you know, you don't want to play him at second or whatever position you might move him to. So I think you'll get very little back. I just think it's a possibility uh, they could move him. And I think people will be surprised, but he's actually hitting 270. He's got a league average OPS on the season. And he's the kind of guy that doesn't strike out. So if you're a team that needs a contact hitter off the bench or someone who could just put the ball in play, I could see that. I like the idea of trading relief pitching. My concern right now, and I'm pretty cutthroat. If I was a GM, I would say, you know, with all due respect, the rest of my season be damned. Sorry about your luck, Nats Park fans. Uh, I'm going to add to my minor league system. But their bullpen is in such shambles. And we've talked about the state of this pen, even though it's kind of steadied some. I think if you were to trade Finnegan now, getting to the finish line would be pretty bleak of this 162 game season. I mean, he is right now, like all you got with Harvey and Edwards, not having been healthy and available uh, frequently over the last couple of weeks, you're just kind of praying which Mason Thompson comes out when that door opens or, you know, who, who is going to pitch today and how bad is it going to get other than Kyle Finnegan? Uh, we saw a really good outing with a lot of rest for uh, Andres Machado, who's back in the big leagues with a couple of strikeouts. I thought that was encouraging. Like the, the La Sorsa inning that he had in the final game against the Rockies uh, was really good. Weems has actually been awesome more often than not. So maybe they could say, oh, we'll piece this thing together. Who cares how bad we are? But to some extent, you want to continue to develop and help Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore and Jake Irvin and, frankly, even some of the pen uh, arms that might be options next year, whether that's Weems or uh, Jose Ferrer. And, you know, if you move on from Finnegan, it, it, it just changes everyone's roles a little bit, in particular to the starters. It kind of makes their life a little bit harder in terms of some of the expectations and pressure so I'd love to to see them move Finnegan, who's controllable, because I think they could get something back. I just don't think they will because of how bad things have gotten in the bullpen. Well, and you've heard Mike Rizzo talk about this, where they want to start creating that winning culture again. And it's kind of hard to create a winning culture when you can't trust a single arm out of your bullpen if Harvey and Edwards are on the shelf. So I do completely agree with that. Now, you know, if you get a great deal, you have to do it. But if you're not getting what you're looking for, This is kind of what I've talked about with Lane Thomas. If you're not getting the value that you expect, the value that you're looking for, then don't do it because at some point you have to trot a big leaguer out there and not just other guys that just happen to be in your system and you don't have any other options. So I don't hate the idea of holding on to all these guys and just seeing what happens the rest of the season. Not like they're going to try to, you know, compete for a wild card spot or anything, but just to hold on to them for the future. I don't hate that either, but I, I, you know, 
if they're going to move someone else, you know, I don't think Lane Thomas is getting moved. I well, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, I think it's kind of at this point, it would be stunning if they traded Lane Thomas. And the only reason I say that is not because trading him doesn't make sense. I mean, it actually kind of does if you can get a, a good prospect back and you can get a good haul. There's been no noise on that at all. It's like his name came up a lot about a month, six weeks ago. And it's now as he keeps playing well, you don't even hear him linked. When I'm watching MLB Network or seeing some of the reporting being done on some of the best available bats, nobody even talks about him anymore, which tells me, you know, when reporters are doing digging that the Nats aren't bringing him up to teams a whole lot. Well, and to me, he just seems like someone that we've talked about this before with Rizzo. He loves the fact that he got him for John Lester on his last leg. And, you know, obviously flaunting that around is a nice thing when you're a GM and showing like, I got this guy for John Lester as he was walking out the door into retirement. That's pretty impressive. But I think if you look at it, if you look at what's coming up in the future for the Nationals, Patrick Corbin comes off the books after next season. And then outside of that, Grant, the only guy that would be making over $10 million would be Steven Strasburg. That's it. So I don't hate the idea of saying, all right, we got two more years of arbitration with Lane Thomas. What if we could buy that out and maybe give him two more years to his like age 32, age 33 season, have him be the veteran leadership in the clubhouse. And yes, he's probably going to take a step back. I understand that so many people are looking at this and saying, well, this is an outlier and it very well might be, but even what he was before, I think is a decent fourth outfielder. So look when Wood comes up. Look when hopefully Hassel gets here, Dylan Cruz, maybe Elijah Green in the future. Who knows? But all these outfielders start coming up. Sure, maybe he gets relegated to the bench. But if you're only paying the guys, what, six, seven, maybe $8 million, I don't hate the idea of having some veteran leadership there considering you're not paying anyone else at this point. And maybe they'll try to make a splash in free agency with some of that money. Who knows? But I don't hate the idea of keeping him around to be the mentor in the outfield for the young guys when they come up. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, by the way, we talked about how bad the bullpen was for about a week there and how things had settled in. In the last calendar week going into the Mets series, not surprising because of how well the Nats have been playing. Look at some of these numbers, though. Uh, three appearances for La Sorsa, two and two-thirds scoreless innings. Three appearances for Weems, two and two-thirds shutout innings for him. Two appearances for Finnegan, two innings of one-hit scoreless ball. Uh, again, this is over seven days. This is basically, now they haven't played a ton in that stretch, but this is, what, three or maybe four baseball games total for the ball club. Um, so they've been able to stretch, you know, some starters out and get a little more length. And because of that, really, of the relievers they're using multiple times, I mean, Amos Willingham got hit pretty hard. He's now been sent down, no longer in the mix. So other than him, the only guy that's really given up runs is Jose Ferrer who by and large has been okay. I mean, when you call up a uh, rookie who in their system, non-closing relievers, only 23 years old, you expect some mixed bag results. And he's got a strikeout per inning through nine innings, but his whip has been really high, almost two. His ERA is close to six. I said this last year when he was in the Futures game. He's not a top-tier prospect. Like him being in the Futures game was misleading and kind of silly. Kind of spoke to just how bad the Nats system was. He's a seventh-inning reliever if things work out. But he's a lefty who's in the minor leagues, and it's at least good to get him to the show. But uh, I just like that, you know, if you, if you looked at the bullpen numbers for last week compared to this week, it's just night and day. Uh, and it's a, it's a good sign because I literally was thinking, oh, my God, man, they, they, how are they going to ever get outs from this bullpen again? It felt like at one point 
like they could just pick people out of the crowd and they would have similar results. Yeah, I mean, it was getting bad there for a while. Like, you could pick anyone and it wouldn't work out. But, I mean, that's going to be the case with this bullpen for the rest of the year outside of the guys that we talk about all the time. The three that you can somewhat trust is sometimes they're going to be good and you ride that hot hand. And when they start coming down a little bit, then it could get ugly. But just hopefully you got a couple of those guys that can be dependable at the same time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Long gone! Couple of notes from around baseball as we get close to the deadline. One is very Nats relevant here, and that is that according to a MLB.com report, the Padres will go into the weekend listening to calls on Juan Soto. Now, they have not said that they are selling definitively. I mean, teams anymore with the extra wild card don't really come out and de facto name themselves buyers or sellers. But the Padres, this is in a Soto world, right? They are six and a half games back from wild card play right now. Five under 500, having gone five and five in their last 10. I'm here to tell you this. I don't know what you think Nats fans kind of want to see here or if they would care if Soto got moved or not. Remember, it's still two more postseasons, so you'd have him if you're trading for him this year, if you're another team, for this playoffs and next. But if they trade Juan Soto at this deadline, you can close the book on that deal. Mike Rizzo gets a giant victory with Wood and Hassel and Susana in the minors and Gore and Abrams in the big leagues. And Soto, after what will have been a disappointing year and a half, even though the Padres did get to the NLCS last year, won't be in their org anymore. Pretty amazing to think about that possibility. Now, if I had to bet at the window right now, I'd say they don't trade Soto. He's still there. And they'll have one more shot next year to to get into the playoffs and make a run, perhaps. But if they deal him, it's over, Johnny. I mean, the Nats look really, really good. And Preller and the Padres don't. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they look good right now because of the fact that they're not winning with Soto. So you gave up your entire farm system or a lot of it for a guy that has been good. Like, I know we talk about this all the time and you see it on discussions basically at the beginning of the year saying Soto was kind of struggling. And he was at the beginning of the year, but he's really turned it on. He's got now a 918 OPS, 501 slug, 417 on base. So he's, you know kind of back to the Juan Soto that we know. I saw him the other night, comes up, bases loaded. They didn't even want to pitch to him. Four-pitch walk him and got out of the, the game with a win there, three to two. I forget who they were playing, but that's kind of where they're at. And so I wouldn't blame them if they tried to trade him because Preller's shown this before that he's going to go all in and sometimes it just doesn't work. 
But I don't know. It's a tough spot to be in if you're San Diego, where you've got a team with Tatis coming back, where you were excited about that, and that hasn't made a huge difference, even though he's playing well. You trade for Soto. That's not working. You've got guys like Blake Snell, who's been one of the best pitchers in the National League, and you're still not winning enough ball games to even consider going all in, even though you basically are all in. It's just it's crazy that they're at the position that they're at because they have like an all-star team, but they're not winning. So I don't remember a team with that talent and guys that are all kind of individually playing pretty well. And like you look at it and you're like, oh, Tatis has been pretty good. Oh, Soto's been fine. You look at Machado and stretches. You're like, oh, he's been awesome. You mentioned Snell. Like he, he was on a roll, and and you go through the rotation. I mean, they have Darvish and Snell and uh, um, Musgrove. Musgrove, yeah. And and uh, I mean, it's just it's it's nasty what they put together, and it's on paper, it's elite. And every time you look up, they're they're four and six in their last ten. You know, <laughs> five and five in their last ten, and they're still four under five hundred. It's pretty stunning. I do think they should trade Soto. Now, again, I'm pretty cutthroat. I would have traded Otani if I'm the Angels. I think it's silly that they're not going to. I know they're four back in the wild card, and they're going to try to make the playoffs, which I hope they do because I want to see Otani in the playoffs. I think we all do. Uh, but I just it's very simple for me. This is where I landed on the Soto conversation last year pretty early on. If you're not going to re-sign the player, then you need to recoup as many assets as possible if you're not winning. Now, I understand that, unlike the Nats last year, the Padres will have a chance again next year with a really good team to try to win a World Series. So it's a little more complicated. But because of how much they gave up for Juan Soto, I think you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't recoup some of that. Because it goes back to my old Soto uh, saying from last year, the best time to trade him is never, and the second best time is right now. Like you, you, the reason you got all the stuff that you did for him in this historically unbelievable package that came back to the Nationals was that you were trading three postseasons of him. The, the Padres are, are trading two postseasons. It's not a rental. If you wait till this offseason, one postseason, or next year at the deadline, you know, not even a full season with a postseason, you get a shell of what you could right now. So it's almost like if, if you don't trade him now, then you shouldn't trade him at all, probably. Uh, but I just, it's not like they have nothing in that system. They actually, I went to the Futures game recently and got to hang around um, the, the National League roster in the dugout and was really impressed by how their shortstop of the future, Jackson Merrill, uh, just handles himself. He's a 20-year-old left-handed bat who's already in double A, and he's hitting almost 285 this year, and he's been really good. They got a catcher of the future who's an A-ball, who's a teenager, Ethan Salas, that they're high on, and couple of arms I really like in Dylan Lesko, Robbie Snelling, who I recently had on my show minors and majors as a sub two ERA. Like they got four really good players in that system. And it's an okay system overall, uh, believe it or not, with all they gave up. But you could trade Soto and get two or three pieces back and, and immediately kind of reload. And maybe with Susana eventually becoming a reliever and Hassel having taken a step back, like, yeah, you lost Gore and Abrams and Wood, but maybe it doesn't look as bad as it did if you're able to retool that system a little bit, uh, I just, I'll be fascinated. I don't know what you think though. Do you think most Nats fans care a lot or are kind of over the Soto conversation? Like, are, are they glued to see what happens with him next or he's not theirs to deal with anymore? So who cares? I think if, you know, how I feel is I'm not really caring what the Padres do, but I still like Soto. So I just want to know what happens. Like I look at the return that the nationals got. I'm happy about it. I've closed the book on that. I'm fine with it. It is what it is at this point, whether you like it or not. But I think a lot of Nationals fans still like Juan Soto, so they're just looking. Like, 
what's like what's going to happen they're just watching from afar it's not as if they're invested in it but it is an interesting thing like you said grant it's something where if they were to decide to trade him it's not saying that they wouldn't make the postseason this year and be a competitive team because we mentioned all the people they have we didn't even mention they have xander bogarts and maybe cronenworth gets things turned around like they could get some maybe close to major league ready people and all of a sudden Next season, they're the team to beat in the National League once again because they've traded Soto and turned it into two major league-ready prospects. Maybe it's a, a pitcher. Maybe it's another hitter. And so they could do something like that. I don't think they will, but it's a crazy spot that they're in. And, you know, I just hope the best for Soto because I'm still a fan of his. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. See you later! He's Toby Altizer. I'm Grant Paulson. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball. Uh, another of the big stories in baseball I thought we'd get hit here going into the weekend. Uh, you and I actually, the, when I found out you were such a baseball mark and and when we kind of hit it off talking ball and it led to me, me asking you to join the pod was when we went and saw Shohei Otani together in Baltimore. Uh, he hit two home runs in the second game of a doubleheader today, which is pretty funny and awesome for the starting pitcher of the Angels. Uh, what's cooler is he threw a shutout in a masterpiece in game one in one of the, the just the more impressive displays of baseball dominance I've ever seen in a doubleheader in my entire life. I mean, the Shohei show just continues to roll along like th this guy. Uh, every time you look up, does something else incredible. There's no one to compare him to Grant. You know, coming in, people would say, oh, he's the modern Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth never pitched like this. Babe Ruth was never this good of a pitcher for this long. And oh, by the way, Shohei Otani hit his 38th home run, and no one's at that mark. And he's just as good a hitter, if not better, than everyone else at the plate. I mean, this is the guy that you could talk about as being the best hitter in all of baseball, and then talk about him in the same vein as being, I think he's not as good as some people like to say a top five, but that's to say, I think he's like top 12. <laughs> like this guy has the stuff that he's absolutely nasty. And you saw it today. Only one hit, three walks, complete game shutout. The most he's ever done against the Tigers today. 
And then it's not even a split doubleheader. It's something where he went in, grabbed a bite to eat. An hour later, he's up at the plate and he's got two jacks in the first four innings. Like that, <laughs> absolutely insane what we're seeing. There's no one to compare him to, Grant, because this is a guy that's just doing stuff we've never seen before. And I think at, at this point, even though his career is not the longest, I think you could already label him as the best baseball player of all time. Definitely just generation, but of all time. Yeah, it's it's nuts. I mean, the people that would try to tell me Babe Ruth what did the same thing or was more impressive, I don't even play that game. You know, I actually have bookmarked a video that I now send people on Twitter when they say like, "Oh, don't disrespect Babe Ruth; he was better." And the video is a side by side of gymnastics in the Olympics in like 1910 versus now. And on the left is like this guy who's like hanging from a bar for like 11 seconds, like someone would plank at a gym or like doing a pull up. And on the right is a guy who's like flipping and doing crazy loop de loops. And he's on a motorcycle with his arms and just doing all kinds of nonsense. That's the difference in athletics between now and then. And people say, well, Babe Ruth with this, you know, science and Shohei Otani is getting hitters out. And as a pitcher uh, is having success against bats, the likes of which didn't exist at that time. And as a hitter, are you kidding me? I mean, it was just like me and you kind of like, look over here, wise guy. Here's my 77 mile an hour looper. Uh, good luck with it. It's going to be a, a gravity curveball here. Let's see what happens to you. And, and guys were, were like not able to hit the pitch. Shohei Otani is hitting 103 mile an hour fastballs and the best breaking balls we've ever seen. Like there's nothing like this. There's never been anything like this. It's breathtaking. Uh, we should talk about it all the time. All right. Before we're out of here on bust and loose baseball, I want to say really quick, as far as the minor league system goes, won't be long before we see the Dylan Cruz debut. He's at West Palm getting ready to head to Fredericksburg. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. We will have an update and get out to Fredericksburg and see him for you. As soon as that happens, uh, I do think James Wood has kind of turned it on and figured it out. Um, he was scuffling at the plate and pulling everything and just hadn't really had results for a little while. But having gone and seen him last week, I said I, I thought maybe going the other way a little bit on some flyouts, saw him hit a double, maybe he was coming out of it. Back-to-back two-hit games this week with uh, extra base hits. I think he had a couple of doubles in the first and then a triple in the second. Uh, so you're starting to see James Wood in double-A get back to a point where he's having better at-bats and they're going to try to move him. He's got to thrive and succeed, but they're going to be aggressive if he allows them to. Yeah, I like that. I think that you're looking at a guy that has all the potential in the world, but I think it's just got to be a little bit of both. I'd love to push him, but also be patient enough that you're not rushing him too much. But, you know, I trust Mike Rizzo to be able to get this thing right. So we'll see what happens, how he does the rest of the year at double A. I'd assume he's going to stick there the rest of the season and we'll see. But I think he's starting to find something as well, like you said. And if that's the case, then, I mean, we're looking at a guy that, Hopefully it could be wearing a curly W here not too long. All right, my final thought tonight is actually on the series that has just gotten underway today against the Mets as we tape this on Thursday evening. Wouldn't it be fun if the Nationals could go to City Field, take two out of the first three, maybe three out of four overall from the Mets, and find a way to take this series from New York at City and force them into being sellers? I think back to when the Nats were at Camden Yards a few years ago and the Orioles were horrendous. And they took great pride in ruining the national season. And then the Nats, after getting swept, immediately decided they were going to start selling off and they started blowing up the roster. Can you imagine if the Nats pull that off against the Mets? I think there'd be a, a party at the bullpen. People will be going nuts next week. 
<laughs> uh, as the team comes back home. It'd be fantastic. And I don't wish, you know, ill will against Max Scherzer, but how funny would it be if some of these guys start getting dealt because the Nationals went up to City Field and spanked them around a little bit? I think that would be great. And the old lowly Nationals ending it for the high and mighty spend all the money in the world, New York Mets. That'd be great. Also, their fans are just insufferable. And while I don't wish ill will on Max Scherzer either, I do wish his time in New York to be over sooner rather than later so that I can officially start rooting for my guy. Real, real Max quick, last, again. last thing, Grant. Yeah. These guys that leave the Nationals need to realize they got to stop going to the NL East. Like, Trey Turner's getting booed in Philly. Max Scherzer is in New York, and it's not working out. Just go somewhere else. Like, we still yeah. like you here in D.C. Just go somewhere else. Those places aren't going to like you for who you are, for whatever There's reason. There's a whole other league, man. Go to the American League. Like, Just you don't somewhere have to else. go to the division. Go to the yes. AL. Uh, we got to thank our producer, Darius Dameron, for Toby Altizer. I'm Grant Paulson, thanking you for listening to Bust and Loose Baseball. Please subscribe, rate, and review. The pod is available two times a week wherever you get your audio. Also, please spread the word. I think a lot of people that are Nats fans don't even know that we're doing this. So if you've got a buddy who's a Nats fan, it would mean a lot if you could uh, put them onto the pod, send them a link, tell them that we do this a couple times a week. We're trying to grow this thing. Thank you very much for the support. We appreciate you. We will be back as we close it on the trade deadline starting next week.